It's finally here, our show on the pandemic pet, next on Remote Space. Hello? Uh, yeah, right, I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! (laughs) Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. Seemingly half our guests on Remote Space have talked about having a new pet, and they're not alone. The pandemic pet has been an integral part of how individuals and families have coped over a tough year. Animal shelters have been at the core of this story. So we want to talk with people that worked at PAWS, the Progressive Animal Welfare Society, located in western Washington state. Corey Childs is an animal care lead and shelters operations specialist. Carrie Tenniswood is the animal services manager there. Carrie, Corey, there's been this titanic change over the last year, uh, people working from home, people being at home more, schools and offices closed. Now, this may be an impossible question, but I have a pet and pets that have been in the houses for several years, like we have a dog that's four, that's been here for four years. Have they kind of noticed a change or do pets just simply kind of roll with what goes on day to day? You know, I would say it depends from pet to pet. Certainly some of them, I think, notice a change um, because a lot of them, you know, consistent schedule is super important. So a lot of them notice that like sudden shift of, oh, you know, dad's home all the time. And I think, you know, as far as both newly adopted pets and ones that have been there a while, you worry about things like separation anxiety and things kind of creeping up as they learn that somebody's always at home. Um, And then as people start going back to work or going back to school, suddenly people are gone, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. So I think definitely they, they notice that for sure. And we will definitely get into some of that stuff Uh, as I'm curious, what was, when we start hearing about this pandemic pet, and I certainly saw neighbors with pets I hadn't seen before uh, last year. I'm curious, has it been an unprecedented time at pause, but I mean, besides the stuff of being safety and closed down, but has there been an in? Is this unprecedented in the amount of increase or work that um, has been uh, going on with adoptions of pets? Yeah, well, we have had a large increase in the demand for pets. Um, we have not, however, had an increase in adoptions. The reason being is. When the pandemic hit, we were one of the only shelters that was able to stay open uh, with limited capacity. So we did lose a lot of our volunteer force, but we were able to still take in smaller amounts of animals, um, whereas some of the other shelters were not servicing the public. Therefore, the demand skyrocketed for PAWS. So that was the trend that we saw when the pandemic hit. And so you stayed open. So it was just basically people could come in on, on an appointment basis or was most of the stuff done online? What uh, what changed in that regard? Yeah, so we did change our processes quite a bit. We did put the first part of the process online and by the phone. So we would actually 
talked to people about what they were looking for. And we, we would put a lot of information about the animals on our website. And then at the very end, we would schedule a, a visit by an appointment. And so it's, it's slowed the process down, but it's been able to continue placing animals into homes during these restrictions. I'm, I'm curious. And maybe it's it's probably both uh, people that are first time or or haven't had a pet versus people who are getting more than have had a pet or are getting more. Is is there a statistic of 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 are we looking at first time owners or are we looking at people who are just getting more pets usually? I don't know if we have any actual statistics on it. I would say you know at least in my experience here with the people I've talked to um, and my my personal training clients as well. It's more kind of first-time owners, um, so it's ones that have you know kind of thought about wanting a pet in the past, and then suddenly they're working from home and have all this time to bring them in, get them acclimated. So I think it's less people that already have pets, because um, if anything, they get to spend even more time with them, and more people that just suddenly are kind of home by themselves and have lost that social interaction, so they're really looking for that companionship. Has there been uh, any stories that you've heard or people that you've talked to over the past year that just kind of stand out as as these new pet owners? Well, I've spoken with a lot of adopters that are so grateful to have a companion animal in their home. I spoke to a woman the other day who was in her 80s and she has been staying home uh, for quite some time and she was so happy to have a cat to share her life with and her space with. And, you know, it, it was it was so exciting to hear the joy that she had when talking about all the different details of how her kitty was getting adjusted to her apartment. So I, I think what I've noticed is a lot of people just really valuing the human-animal bond after going through this social isolation period and really appreciating what uh, companionship is all about. Absolutely. I mean, there's been a, a lot of talk recently about this whole pandemic pet, as they call it, about what happens when everyone starts going to work. And there's there's been bubbles before. Um, I mean, I was in the video business when uh, 101 Dalmatians hit. And I know that there was a large amount of Dalmatians that were put into homes and not knowing that for the most part, Dalmatians aren't really great family dogs and a lot of them ended up in shelters. Um, But this seems to be a little different because of the trying times that we're in. And the reason we get a pet is not just because the kid wants a Dalmatian, it's because of other things. Do you catch that vibe at all? Yeah. um, So I think, you know, you see a lot of these kind of alarmist headlines of, oh, after the pandemic's over, even right now, you know, all these people are just going to give up their dogs because they have to go back to work or go back to school. Um, And it's something we hear a lot, but there's actually, uh, we haven't seen any difference here at all. And there's pretty much nationwide zero evidence to support it. Um, So both the uh, American Veterinary Medical Association and ASPCA um, and PetPoint, who's our, uh, they do data management for shelters. Um, so about 1,100 or so nationwide shelters. Um, so there's statistics from all three of those showing that um, there is no kind of increase in return rates or, or surrender rates or anything like that, like people seem to think that there are. Yeah. I, and I think, again, uh, there was a quote that I saw 
in the New York Times about a survey that said uh, 93% said a pandemic pet had improved their mental or physical well-being, um, and 80% said it was made from working for a homeowner enjoyable. Again, this has been members of, of families, for lack of better words, that would be hard to give up no matter what, and that basically sounds like helped a lot of people through this really trying year. Yeah. And another one thing that we have noticed is that the general return rates have decreased a little bit since COVID. And um, it almost seems like with, with people being home more, they have the ability to work through that adjustment period that a new cat or dog um, goes through when their environment and their lifestyle completely changes. So that's been a really positive impact on the animals as well as the people that are adapting. And what are some things that people can do? And I know, Corey, that you you, uh, you do a lot of training. What are some things that people can do as we prepare for that? I assume a lot of folks might get through the summer with school out, but then in the fall, they'll we'll do that. So there's still a few months for a lot of folks to do some work with dogs and cats to get them used to that. What, what are some things that they can do with their pet over these uh, next few weeks and months? For sure. Um, So it depends a little bit, of course, on, you know, whether it's a new pet or, you know, an existing pet that's just kind of reacclimated. As far as ones that are recently adopted, um, you know, everybody expects to, they'll go home and the dog will think it's awesome and then they'll settle right in. Um, uh, A lot of shelters will go by what we call the rule of three. So it's three days or so for your dog to just settle into their environment, to get comfortable at all, to not be, you know, nervous and confused about what's going on um, about three weeks before they're really comfortable. And so they start to settle in. You start to see their personality come out. You'll see, you know, new things crop up for for good or bad um, as they get more comfortable in their environment. And then about three months before they're really used to your schedule, they, you know, that's home. Everything's comfortable. That's where they live. Um, so I think as far as, you know, new dogs go, it's really giving them that time to adjust, um, which is useful for a lot of people working from home because you have that period, as Carrie was saying. But as far as, you know, both of them kind of things you can do to help prevent problems in the future, I think the biggest one we look at is probably separation anxiety issues cropping up. Um, so, you know, it's it's dogs that will kind of They've, they've been with you for months on end now, you know, some of them a year, some of them are new, um, but they're always used to being with somebody, somebody's at home, kids are at home, and then suddenly you leave and you go back to work, or you go back to school for, you know, eight or 10 hours a day. And so kind of expecting that and gradually acclimating them to that alone time, to you being away um, and really getting them adjusted to that schedule prior to it happening. So it's not this sudden shift of you're always home and then you're, you know, gone 10 hours. Um, Because that can be really jarring for a lot of them, whether they've lived with you their whole life or whether they're, you know, brand new. Right. So if you can get out of the house for a couple hours here or there so that they get used to that some doses of time that you can kind of extend until it's, you know, you're gone half the day or something like that. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so that's exactly what I mean. So it's, um, and it'll depend from dog to dog. Some of them are already pretty comfortable, especially if they've lived with you. You know, you leave for a couple hours, go to the store, whatever, they're fine. Um, some, a lot of your new ones, you don't really know what they're going to do. Um, so it's really <laughs> taking it slowly. And it might be like, 
it might even start as simply as, okay, you go to your crate, I'm in the kitchen, you know, making food, I'm out of the room with you, and see how they are, see if they're comfortable, give them, you know, their meal in there, or give them a, a chew toy or a Kong, or just something to do, something to entertain them, and see how they respond to that. And if that goes well, then, you know, extending that farther to, okay, I'm out of the house now, um, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, you know, it's that gradual increase and not this kind of sudden random two hours here, three hours here, you know, five minutes here. Um, so it's all about the baby steps kind of forward and going longer and longer and longer and making sure they're comfortable. And one thing I would say, too, is a lot of people, you know, they leave, they come back, nothing is destroyed in the house. You know, they haven't peed in the floor or anything like that. Um, so they think, oh, they were they were fine. But a camera is actually a great tool because you'll see a lot of them that think that and then, you know, they leave have a camera put up, see what their dog's actually doing, and they're, you know, pacing and whining and salivating, or they're howling, and, the, you know, the neighbors are complaining. And so there's a lot of things that can crop up that you won't necessarily see when you come back. So I think, you know, there's plenty of cheap cameras now that you can just view from your phone. Some of them even have noise detection, which is awesome. Uh, so kind of an option to see what they're really doing when you're gone, I think, is an important part of that, too. Oh, that's great. Uh, Since I have an expert on the line, I have to ask, I was always told, and I don't know who told me this, I've always, I guess, believed the best thing I could do for my dog is make sure he gets out for an exercise every day and can get exercise and new smells and all that. Is that still one of the things at the top of the list? Yeah, so it's definitely, you know, two of the top things are both exercise, so regular exercise, giving them that that outlet um, so they don't get a whole lot of pent-up energy. Um, and nutrition actually pays, plays, you know, a really big role, too. Um, and, I mean, dog nutrition's a, a super hot topic anyway, so it's usually I, I advise people to go and talk to their vet about it because, you know, there's grain-free versus regular versus raw, and there's, there's a lot of strong opinions on <laughs> nutrition right now, so it's definitely worth the conversation. But, you know, as far as exercise go, definitely super important, and it, again, will depend on the age of your dog, the breed of your dog, on how much they really need is, is a very individual thing. But one thing that I see with some of my clients that you don't normally think about is they'll go, you know, they'll wake up in the morning, get ready, take them outside and they'll run or play fetch or they'll play this like really, you know, vigorous, intense exercise and then bring them in, put them in the crate and leave. And the dog is still super amped up from all this. And so there's no kind of decompression period. And so you just leave and they're still all like amped up and ready to go. Um, So I think a piece of advice I would give people is if you go and play with them in the morning or play with them before you leave, give them like 20 or 30 minutes just to to decompress and to settle and get comfortable again before you leave. So it's not this sudden shift for them. Okay, noted. I will do that. That's for sure. Thank you. Just talking a little bit about uh, paws and and overall um, how it works. I'm curious uh, when a pet comes in that uh, has been for various reasons has been brought in. I'm curious about the, the mindset. I mean, the thought just can't be okay. When can this pet be adopted? There's what's the mindset when you, you bring in a new cat or dog to paws? Uh, do you mean the mindset of ourselves or the mindset of the animal? Oh, um, I, I'll go with the, I'll go with yourselves since you probably know that one a little bit better. <laughs> well, yeah, when we take animals into the shelter, um, our focus is to uh, try to keep them as comfortable uh, as possible. We also want to make sure that um, we're meeting all of their physiological needs, um, their social needs. 
uh, ensuring that um, they have medical care and are getting a good diet and good rest. It's inevitable going into a shelter setting that an animal is going to be stressed. So our team and our volunteers work really hard to provide that enrichment and TLC in order to get the animal out the door and into a home as quickly as possible. And one thing I've heard, I remember reading a few years ago, I mean, this adoption seems like a very local thing, but this, there's this, as you said, there's, there's hundreds of, of agencies across the country. And I remember at one point hearing that pets from like a, a hurricane or someplace would be brought here to the Northwest. So there's pockets that do better with adoptions than others, or, or, or how does that kind of uh, national system work? Yeah. So there is a large transfer network across the United States and beyond, where there's some areas there are higher um, overpopulation rates and the higher euthanasia rates, and there is uh, lower rates in other places, uh, including Seattle and um, here in Linwood. So we are able to fly in dogs from Texas and California and Kansas um, uh, from shelters that are open admission, high volume, and overwhelmed with the number of homeless animals that they're seeing. So it's nice that we're able to um, bring them here rather than have them be euthanized at those shelters. That's wonderful. Um, and so what's, as a casual observer, someone who's been there occasionally, uh, what's something behind the scenes that uh, – most folks wouldn't catch or understand the, the, how an adoption center works. You know, part of it is just the the amount of work that goes into each individual animal. So they think we spend, you know, our day, we come in, we cuddle some puppies and, and we might vaccinate a thing or two. And then they, you know, they leave and go for adoption. Um, and it's actually really, you know, kind of grueling work. So you, you come in, walk everybody, um, clean everybody, which is, you know, takes hours and hours. Sometimes our, our cleaning shifts alone for the dog kennels can be three or four hours long. And then all the different cats and things, you know, feeding that amount of animals. And we're, you know, grand scheme of things, we're a pretty small shelter. We probably hold right around, you know, 30 to 50 dogs at any given time. Some of the Texas shelters hold 300 animals. So, you know, it's very, I think they just don't understand necessarily the amount of kind of grunt work that goes into it. And then it's the ones, the more behaviorally difficult animals, the ones that are either terrified when they get here and, you know, they won't let you touch them or won't let you put a leash on them. It's acclimating them, getting them, you know, handleable and getting them to a place where they can be adopted. It's the ones that come in, you know, broken leg or hit by a car or, or, you know, they're sick or have kennel cough or any number of, you know, medical things that we have to keep out, look out for. Um, so I think, you know, pretty much everybody who works here has a really wide set of, of skills and knowledge that you kind of have to obtain to be able to do all of these different things, both behaviorally and adoption wise and, and, you know, handling and all of that, really. Yeah. And I, I have to think also a wide range of emotion. I mean, you there's some trying circumstances which pets are brought to you. And at the same time, as Carrie was talking about earlier, you get the other end of it about, you know, some person finding companionship that they haven't had in years and the joy they have that it's 
I got to think a huge mood could be a huge mood swings that that your you and your workers also have to deal with, maybe even on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, one of the unique things about the animal welfare industry is that it attracts the most compassionate and um, dedicated people out there. And one of the things that we really try to support each other with is building our resilience with uh, performing this work through time and um, not falling into burnout. Um, And I think that creates a really nice, strong network uh, between us. um, And it creates a a really nice um, culture within our organization. And pets pick up on that. I mean, pets pick up, is it pets pick up on stress or just pets pick up on like a general energy vibe, be it at the shelter or especially when they get into homes? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's just kind of general emotion, right? So pets are super in tune to things, you know, our body language or certain smells, um, you know, that we might secrete when we're really anxious or nervous or all kinds of things that, that people don't even realize that, you know, they pick up on or that people don't pick up with each other. So, yeah, I mean especially with your new dogs, you know, keeping uh, yourself calm and, and not being anxious with them. If you're, you know, walking them and they bark at another dog and you get either anxious or upset, you know, that just kind of escalates it, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. They say emotion travels down the leash is the, <laughs> the kind of dog trainer terminology for it. But for sure, they pick up on, on those emotions too. So it's the same here if you come in and you're really stressed out and everything and you're trying to, you know, handle this this scared cat and it, you know, you might end up terrifying the thing. Um, cause they do, they, they really are good at picking up on that emotional signaling. And I think it's something that we have to be really aware of. And sometimes to the effect of, you know, just having somebody else handle this animal or somebody else, you know, asking for, for help doing this job or the other, just cause you're not, you know, it's just not the perfect time for you to do it right then, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, sure does. Now, one thing with with paws, I remember going there the first time years ago. And again, you're not this super center of 300 pets, as you said. You're on the smaller side, but you also deal with with wildlife. You have a wildlife center there, and deal with I don't want to say exotic, but pets like uh, you had some black bears recently in the news. Can you talk a little bit about the wildlife center and other things besides dogs and cats that paws does? Sure. Yeah. Uh, There are times when um, there are baby black bears uh, brought here for uh, shelter and rehabilitation after being separated from their mother. There's a lot of uh, baby birds and um, baby raccoons that are brought here that may have been injured. Uh, You know, and a lot of baby animals in general where the mom uh, may have been hit by a car or chased off somehow. So the springtime is really the wildlife's busiest season. Um, They're busy really trying to bottle feed um, all of these little babies uh, to get them to a place where they can be released back into the wild. That's wild. And now we'll definitely link to the uh, story that I saw about the uh, the black bears that recently, I was going to say reunited, but re- released back into uh, the wild, uh, which is a, a phenomenal uh, story on that. And and then one thing now, we, uh, well, this will air afterwards, but um, after uh, over a year of being totally shut down, you're going to reopen in June. I, I assume you're, everyone's excited about that? 
Absolutely. Uh, we are excited to unlock our door and um, have the community come in and visit our animals and our staff. And uh, we're excited to talk face-to-face when it comes to matchmaking for adoptions. Although our process is online, um, certainly we're well-developed. It's nice to have the face-to-face interaction with people again. So we're really looking forward to opening up on June 10th and um, having people come visit and take a look at the animals. And I got to say, even though I know it's work, Corey, occasionally you just still want to go hang out with cats or dogs, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And and I don't want you to think that we don't because we definitely do have our, our fair share of, of going in there and just playing with some kittens or, you know, <laughs> you know pulling the puppy out. <laughs> Um, for sure. I mean, that, that's, I would say, one of the perks for the job, you know, sometimes with a dog laying under your feet in the office, you know, for the ones who work in admin and things. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Of course, we're all animal lovers here, and that's why we, we come in and work the hard hours and are, are so dedicated to, to our animal welfare and our organization. Well, Carrie Tenniswood is the Animal Services Manager. Corey Childs is the Animal Care Lead and Shelter Operations Specialist. They both work at the Progressive Animal Welfare Society, which has one of the great acronyms of, of any company or organization, PAWS. Uh, Carrie, Corey, thank you for joining us on Remote Space. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.